You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, thank you, worship team. Deanna, even though you're my daughter, you're a jewel. You are. Thank you. If it needs to be done, Deanna will get it done by hook or by crook. Well, not necessarily by crook, but anyway. (laughs) Mike's faithful, my God. Every one of that praise team is just priceless. That group of young people going out there, I wouldn't part from them for anything. I'm, I'm mean this. I'm not just flattering. You know I don't flatter. Sometimes if I've got something to say, I tell you. <laughs> it's true anyhow. We're talking about following the pattern. Today, we were following the pattern in the moving of the Holy Spirit. This is where the church has got to get. I'm not saying that we're the only church that moves in the Spirit. All across this country, there are those churches that are allowing the Holy Spirit. And when God restores, He's going to restore an apostolic church. I'm not talking about denominations now. Not talking about a denomination. But he's going to restore. It's going to be a restored. He's taking an apostolic church up. That is a spirit empowered, spirit led. Walking in righteousness. Love, walking in the epitome of love. Loving people right where they are. Not trying to change them but loving them and letting God change their hearts. When people get in an atmosphere like this, they will change. And we've got to be people's reference towards God because there's no one else that has... I'm not, now, when I'm talking about, I'm talking about not our church, CLP here. But as a church, as the apostolic church, we have got to be a people that they see the love of God in. We've got to be a people that are the reference to God. When they look at the church, they should see and make reference to God. Let's look at Jeremiah. Now I'm going to tie to get Pastor Russ and Pastor Ray up here today. I've told them for three Sundays now to be ready. Praise the name of Jesus. And I'll try not to lie today. I'll try to Repent and get right. Jeremiah 6.16. Is that all right what I just told you? Of course you're going to say amen. Praise God. But you are. I just love you. I love you. I love you. Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord. And when that's in the scriptures, you've got to stop. You've got to think, now what's God going to say? And before I start this, I want to remind you, okay, to get this, get this song. 
I see, vic- I see a victory. Get it down and put it on your house. And when the battle gets sore, look at that thing and start singing it. Even if you can't sing it right, sing the words to your own tune. Can you say amen? Watch your household change and watch things change in your life. That's a song of deliverance. Say amen. That says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. We are in a diverse situation in this country and in the world. There is a transition. We are at the crossroads. Either the church of God is going to rise up and follow the plan of God that's laid down in the book of Acts, or we're going to lose out and go in the one world religion. That's how serious. Saints, this is serious. No time to be fooling around and playing around. Either we want it or we don't. That's straight, isn't it? I don't, I don't mean that we got to go around being hard-nosed if someone doesn't just agree with what we are to, you know, like the, the disciples said, let's call fire down on them. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of an attitude. I'm talking about us personally. I haven't got time to get you straightened out. I've got to get me straightened out. i got to hear from God. No time for riding. No time for church, somebody to go to meet in church. We're standing at a crossroads. Amen. And as for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. Then LT says, and I know I'm re- I've read this, but I want to repeat this again to get reference. This is what the Lord says. Stop at, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old way, the godly way, and walk in it. Travel its path, and you'll find rest for your souls. It isn't what I want. It's what God wants for my life. And I've got to acquiesce to the voice of God. Amen? I've got to say yes, Lord. But when we sell out to God, he pours his life into us. All right. Uh, here's an, 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 ex, an excellent sermon by uh, Geoffrey Chaucer. Uh, this was uh, words by him in the Canterbury Tales called the Chaucer's Trail. And it says, the soul needs rest. You can only find this by walking the good way. The good way is that which has been trodden by the saints from the beginning. It is the old way, the way of faith and holiness. Believe, love, obey, be holy, be happy. And I added in parentheses, be filled. This is the way. Let us inquire for it and walk in it. Now, The prophet Jeremiah, in the above verses that I read, uh, encouraged the people to return to the eternal path. Go back. And this is what we're doing. 
we're following the pattern. We're going back to the book of Acts and we're finding what happened that made the book of Acts, the apostolic church, so powerful. Now, I'm not talking about a denomination here. Doesn't matter what name you have on the door or sign you have in front of your church, you need the apostolic experience. And anybody can have it. Any group. And we've got to get that in our heads that we're not the only one on the highway. If we humble ourselves and seek the face of God, we can have all God wants for us. So he says, seek the eternal paths. The watchmen and the trumpeters, in verse 17 of Jeremiah 6, um, and uh, we're all a call to return to the fine rest in the Lord. And I know I'm reading this. The call to return to the old paths is God's timeless theme for every generation. And this generation needs a move of God like we've never seen it. It cannot just be a spattering here and a spattering there. It needs to be an overflow of the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to pray, we've got all kind of prayer meetings going on. Listen to me. We've got all kind of prayer meetings going on. We've got uh, uh, If My People, and then we've got Return. And, we've got, and these are good. And we're praying, we're praying for the right outcome in the election, etc., etc., etc. We want God to move. But what we need to be praying is, God, give us a move of the Holy Spirit. Will these prayer meetings last beyond November? And if President Trump for the conservatives should get in, will the conservatives all sit back on their laurels and say, praise God, we've had a victory and go on like we used to go on? See, God... When, when, when the, we just, we just commemorated the Twin Towers. And all the churches were full. But the people and the leaders were not prepared for them. They came in by the droves and left by the droves. And that's when evil took over. We cannot allow this to happen. We cannot step down. We're going to maintain our God and ask for the old past. Let's stop our pride and get rid of our pride and allow God to move in the midst of our churches. I don't care what denomination it is. Let God move and have his way. Seek the old past and say, God, whatever it takes. I don't care if people roll in the floor. It's time we got over our pride and stop dictating to, to God what we want for a church. It's not our church. It's his church. Love and gushy, mushy, gushy, whooshy stuff is to the past. Now we gotta have, we're gonna have love, we're gonna have genuine love. And sometimes love speaks and talks just like this. It says, let's smarten up. Let's look to God. God, what do you want for a church? Well, God's already told us what he wanted for a church. He left it for us in the book of Acts. And we walked away. 
And we established our own denominations and our own ideologies and our own way of thinking and telling God this is how the church is supposed to run. And then we begin to look down on anybody that got happy in the Lord or got, began to move out in the gifts of the Spirit and everything else and said they're emotional. Begin to come and give our own doctrine out and said healing's not for the day. This is, by God, we've chopped the gospel all up and we've made it look like nothing. Ask for the old way and walk in it. There are souls that are on their way to eternal hell and they can't be padded caked into complacency and think they're going to go to heaven. There are people that are in church today that are going to eternal hell because we, the leaders, have watered down the gospel. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to move in our midst and people come in. I want to tell you that the, the, the time was right after September 11th. When those twin powers went down, there were people that were hurting. There were people that were crying out. There were people that were going to church and saying, we want to find solace. And they find empty cliches. And they left disheartened. And we lost it. And the enemy has stepped in. And he's moved across this country. After 9-11, all hell broke loose. You know what holds evil at bay? Is a church that's on fire. They couldn't stop the church in Rome. The Roman Empire couldn't stop the church. In probably almost 300 years, it took over almost a known 300, uh, uh, 300 years. It took over almost the whole known world. They killed them. They slayed them. They filleted them. They put them to lions. And it was just like putting fire on oil. Or putting, uh, it, it just spread. It just kept spreading. It just kept spreading. It just kept spreading. It just kept spreading. This is what this last day move needs to be. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Unprecedented. I don't care how God wants to bring it. I just want him to bring it. And I thank God that we are hearing rumblings. And I hope to God that we don't stop hearing about people getting baptized in, in the ocean and people getting baptized in, in those uh, uh, public squares and everything else. I hope it continues. I hope it, we cannot let it die down. We cannot be intimidated. We can, we've got to sing when we're told not to sing. We've got to worship when we're told not to worship. We've got to shout. I want to tell you, shouting, dancing, and worshiping are weapons that God uses. Go through the Old Testament and see exactly what God used. It was singing, it was dancing, it was shouting. What happened after Moses brought the, the kids, the, the children of Israel through the Red Sea? Miriam took a timbrel or, or tambourine and began to start dancing before the Lord, a dance of victory. Every time you went, you saw dancing, you saw shouting. There were times that Israel shouted. They said that they could hear the earth tremble miles away because the people were shouting and dancing before the Lord. When the temple was restored and rebuilt, what happened? The ministry could not minister. That's the trouble with us as ministers. We've ministered and we've stopped the Spirit of God. Don't have tongues in the sanctuary. 
Don't talk about healing. Don't get excited. Don't have us worshiping our, our hands and worshiping the Lord. By God, we got to do something. The world is going into eternal hell without God. Seek the old path. What's wrong with dancing before the Lord? We stopped it in church and they took it to the world. My God, there's more excitement in a baseball game than there are in some (coughs) of our worship services. Now, we're going to go back to the beginning of the apostolic, spirit-filled, praying, powerful church to rediscover the old paths. The path is that this path is the only way to a last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You already heard me say this. We do not want a substitute. Do you want to substitute what you had today? No. Do you want to go back to dead, dried services? No. We tried it and God rebuked us. Remember that? We as a board made a decision that was going seeker friendly because we wanted people. This is in CLP. And I made the great statement. I know how to do it. I know how to direct the service so that we can cool it down. Remember me saying that? I'm tired of seeing people leave. We voted. Oh, aren't we brave? Aren't we smart? Weren't we intelligent? This is the way our church is going to run. And we walked out when our smug selves walked to our positions of leadership. Pastor Ray to the worship team. Me to the platform. Pastor Russ to his position of ushering. And we were going to change church. Do you remember that day? And it was like Sister Charlie was listening. We started out in an old dead dry self. And Sister, she probably can't remember. She started, she got up and she started walking down the aisle and she started prophesying, I mean, and she read our mail. And the more she prophesied, the more the Spirit of God fell. The more she prophesied, the more the Spirit of God fell. The people got up on the, on the, on the, and the chairs, not on the chairs, but on, on the seats, and they began to worship God. Some were running around the aisles. Some were walking around the aisles. They were taking off their, their top coats and waving them. And, and I'm going, oh my God, you know? And I mean, everything else, I mean, I mean, it just went panda. It went wild. That's not, that was not the way it was supposed to go. And I looked over to Pastor Ray. Tears were streaming down his face. And I said, what do you do with this? He said, nothing. And I walked down the aisle. And there was Pastor Russ rocking back and forth. 
And I said, Pastor, I said, Pastor Ross, I said, what do you do with this? He says, you don't do anything with it. And I made up my, my mind right then, never again would I put my hand on the Spirit of God. And we've been crazy ever since. And I'm not ashamed of it. I was born in this, raised in this, and praise God, I'm either going to be raptured or die in this. This is the book of Acts. This is the way it happened in the early church. And in that midst, there were signs and wonders and miracles. We are even afraid to have signs and wonders and miracles. I don't care what it happens. Well, that's not of God. How do you know? How do we know? I wonder how many of us would have said when Ezekiel laid on one side, half naked, and then on the other side, half naked. And the town square. We said, well, I don't think that's necessary. That's not of God. God don't move that way. Well, that the very one that was what he was the very one that told him what to do. He got the town's attention. Jude said this, so we need to adhere to the admonition of the apostle Jude. To contend earnestly. Now, contend does not necessarily mean get up and fight about it. We don't, we're not to go out fighting people. We're going to fight the devil. How do we fight the devil? By praise, worship, and magnifying God. How do you fight the devil? Praise and worship is like this. When the devil comes into your ears. You ever seen a kid that didn't want to listen to what you're saying? You go, Well, that's what praise and worship does. It gets our mind off of the mundane and onto the heavenly. Well, pastor, are we supposed to be like that all the time? Yes. Are we supposed to be that demonstrative when we come to church? Yes. Well, I'm of a quiet sort. Oh, God, don't tell me that. You can be quiet and worship God. You, quietness doesn't necessarily mean deadness. Because there are times when the Spirit of God moves in the service and you can hear a pin drop. Very seldom in this church, but anyway. <laughs> but when it is quiet, there is an atmosphere. You don't have to run and shout, but you can be in an attitude of praise and worship. Just your heart is just lost in the presence of God. People around you are shouting and running and everything else, and you're just lost in His presence. The point is yielding. It isn't in shouting just to shout, dancing just to dance. Amen? It is, this is coming from the heart, and we rejoice in the God of our salvation. You understand my, you understand what I'm saying? That's not the way I'm going, but anyway. 
Now, I just want to throw this out. Jude was the brother of Jesus. And it's spelled Judas in Mark 6 and Matthew 33. He was also the brother of James. I'm just giving a little bit of history here about the book of Acts. Uh, and uh, who was the author of the book of James? James was the leader or bishop in Jerusalem after Pentecost. So Jude was the brother of Jesus. Okay? And the brother of James. In fact, Jesus' brothers, which you would call half-brothers, Jesus' brothers were not in the church till after Pentecost. They must have come in on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were added to the church that day. But prior to this, they thought Jesus was nuts. And can you imagine it? James, the brother of Jesus, became the bishop. You see what God can do when you let the Spirit of God move? What if Peter got up and just went with old dead, dried up rituals after the Holy Ghost fell? Well, I don't want to really get you too uh, excited or too concerned. Now, we, we, we've got the, we've got the Sanhedrin to contend with, uh, and we've got the Pharisees, and we've got the Sadducees. Now, now, we've got to kind of, kind of cool this down, boys. We've got to, uh, we've got to kind of figure this out, how we're going to present this. And we, we, we've got to present this in a nice way, so that we won't turn, you know, the people off, you know, we, we, we just, we just gotta, you know, you know, cause people coming in, it may scare them. People coming in, you know, and, 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 you know, it, it may drive them away. If you get too loud, if you get too shouting too much, you know, well, maybe we better quiet it down. Is that what Peter said? He got up and he just let it fly. The Bible said he stood with the eleven. Now, 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 I'm telling you something. On the day of Pentecost, when the early church started, I mean, it was wild. You know why? Because they got accused of being drunk. It was loud, because the Bible said when this went abroad. I mean, they heard it down in the streets, and there was three thousand that gathered to find out what in the name of heaven is going on. And Peter preached the gospel. Can you say amen? amen? And you know what happened. It wasn't quiet. I want to, uh, uh, um, Daniel Buford, associate editor of Pentecostal Life, says this. He wrote in an article on the uh, anchor point. He said, a solid understanding of the birth practices and experiences of the early church of the New Testament become the anchor point for the practices, expectations, and experiences of the church today. With the power of God and His direction, we can reach our target of having a vibrant apostolic church. Did you hear what I'm saying? Like the book of Acts. That's what he's saying. I want to read that again. I thought this was good. It says, a solid understanding of the birth, practices, and experiences of the early church of the New Testament become the anchor point for the practices, expectations, and experiences of the church today. What did they do at Pentecost? 
what did they do in the book of Acts? If we do the same with a sincere and honest heart, we're going to have the results of the book of Acts. Because they worshipped, and because they prayed, and because they sought God, God gave them miracles. In an atmosphere like we had today, miracles take place. Signs and wonders happen. People get healed. And I don't know about you, but I'm praying, Lord, let people get healed among us like it was when Caitlin got the Holy Ghost. No one laid hands on her. No one prayed over her. No one told her what to do. She was standing there. And I heard someone speaking in tongues. Looked, and she was getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And I asked her the other day, I said, do you still speak in tongues? And she said, yes. I said, I'm praying. Lord, let it happen like that. Just, just let it happen. Let the gifts operate. I believe in body ministry. I don't believe that I'm the only one that can operate in the prophetic or in the gifts. Every one of you have got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every one of you have the potential to be used by God. Okay, Pastor Russ, would you come up and talk to us for a while, and then Pastor Ray, and then we're going to dismiss. Pastor Russ. They're going to give a little synopsis of the first chapter of Acts. We've got to go into a little bit of history in order to produce or to, to continue with our message. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to give you a, a snippet. <laughs> just a few thoughts that I just jotted down as I read through the first uh, chapter of Acts. And of course you know that Acts is written by Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, so this is a continuation. And the writer talks about how Jesus gave instructions to the apostles and commanded them not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that was essential, which would empower them to be witnesses of the gospel message. And, you know, we know what the apostles were like uh, before Pentecost, and and we see the dramatic difference after the day of Pentecost. They They weren't afraid of nothing. And, uh, you know, without that, they could have never faced the Sanhedrin. You know, they were called before the Sanhedrin and, and told, I think in the fourth chapter of Acts, not to uh, speak or preach in that name anymore, and they just blew them off. They said, you know, we're going to obey God, or we're going to obey men, we're going to obey God. So the, the, the Holy Ghost baptism was essential. These men were eyewitnesses of the passion and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is a powerful and undisputable truth. You know, they saw it. Peter said, you know, we've, we've seen him, we've handled him, you know, the word of life. They, they spent their three and a half years with Jesus and they knew. And, you know, not, nobody would die for a lie. You know, nobody would be willing to give their life for a lie. And we know that these, you know, that all of them were martyred except for John. And, and, you know, many of the early believers were martyred. 
only, you know, not even a fool's going to give his life for a lie. But these men, they knew they were eyewitnesses <laughs> and what they saw and what they experienced. <clears throat> what stands out is that they needed to listen to Jesus' instruction to wait and obey. And I think obedience is key. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments because my commandments aren't grievous. And, you know, if you love somebody, if you love your wife, you love your children, you know, you want to please them. You want to do that which is right. So obedience is key. And verse number six shows that the apostles were still looking. You know, they asked Jesus in in, in uh, verse six. I'll, I'll read it. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time again restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they they still, at that time, they hadn't quite got it. This was before Pentecost. Uh, They were still looking for an earthly kingdom and a restored Israel. They couldn't grasp Christ's plan until after Pentecost. You know, they needed the the indwelling Holy Spirit to understand what the kingdom of God was all about. It wasn't just an earthly kingdom. You know, it wasn't getting rid of Roman rule. and So they had to have that revelation. The apostles would be empowered after the advent of the Holy Ghost to become witnesses of Jesus and enabled to preach the gospel message also to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus being taken up into heaven and the appearance of two angels with a message of hope that Jesus, the same Jesus, would return unto them just as they saw him depart. Can you imagine being there and seeing Jesus <laughs> ascend into heaven? And I think it's in First Corinthians that said there were 500 eyewitnesses that saw Christ ascend into heaven, you know, besides the apostles. That's powerful. You know, you see something like that, <laughs> you're going to tell everybody. The 120 gathered in the upper room to pray and to wait for the promise of the coming Holy Spirit and to choose an apostle to take Judas's place. And we know they drew lots and Matthias uh, was was picked. And, and as Pastor Hurd said you know, last week, you know, you never hear of Matthias again. You know, he probably was a great, wonderful, honorable man, but you never hear anything about Matthias. It's kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of things stand out that were... Uh, that they were all in agreement in one place, in one accord. And, you know, that's that's showing that they had to be in, uh, you know, they had to have unity amongst them, you know, to, you know, to go forward. And, you know, any, any major enterprise has got to have unity before it's going to move ahead, you know, whether it be, GM or Chrysler or anything else, you know. But they had this, you know, this this oneness about them. Uh, they were all working to the same end. And, you know, imp- it's important to get the job done. You've got to have unity. And just for a, a quick example, I'm going to go to uh, Genesis 11.6. Uh, you remember when they were building the Tower of Babel? Uh, which was totally not what God wanted. <laughs> and the Lord came down to see what was, you know, of course he knew, but he came down and he confounded their languages and all. But in verse 6 it says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. 
And this they begin to do, and, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they imagined to do. Yeah, that just shows you, you know, and these were were unbelievers. These were heathens, and they were, you know, the Lord said that whatever, you know, man sets his mind to do, he could do. Well, you know, if, if unbelievers can do that, the church should be really best at it because <laughs> we have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Uh, another thing in that verse, uh, they were all in agreement in one place. And, and I, I'm glad that, you know, that Luke included that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren, you know, they were there. They needed, Mary needed the Holy Spirit. She needed to be saved. She needed to be filled. And just reflecting back on verse 3, and verse 3 stands out, as these men were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and especially his resurrection from the dead, with many infallible proofs. That means that they, they were proofs that could not be refuted. They could be put to the test, and they have been put to the test for the past 2,000 years. And as we know, as we all know, the resurrection is the very crux and the focus of, of our faith. You know, without the resurrection, you have nothing. And, and you know, it always amazed me after I get saved. How can how can people go to church? Some some of these churches don't even believe. They just believe that it's a it's a nice story, or or that the Easter story is just you know about you know renewal from the the dead of winter and you know just an analogy. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. But you know, even as the Apostle Paul said, you know, if we only have hope of Christ in this life, we're of all men most miserable. It's the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. And know that, that we have a hope, that there is a better day, a better day coming. So so that that's what I got, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I did a similar thing as Pastor Russ and uh, just kind of summarized the first chapter. Uh, and it begins, I mean, we're going to, what Pastor Russ said, what I said, we're going to kind of duplicate some of it, but there are some other thoughts that I have as well. And uh, Acts begins with Luke giving a reminder that he had written the first book. He had written his first book about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving the disciples further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And he was preparing the disciples to, for the most important event since the resurrection of the Lord. He was preparing the disciples. He was also preparing the church for the most important event. And throughout the 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples over and over. And to my knowledge, he's never appeared like that since. He was proving to them that he was alive. The world would say Jesus was dead. Everything around that 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 they knew would say Jesus is dead. And for those 40 days, Jesus was proving to the disciples 
he's alive. He was getting ready to usher in his spirit into the world as never before. The power of God resident within us. Hallelujah. And then verse 4 in chapter 1 says, Once he was eating with them and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you a gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What an event. A life-changing event for the church. A life-changing event for the world. And we're smack dab in the midst of it. That, that book of Acts has not completed. That book of Acts is still going on today. The Acts that, they, that the disciples had back then, we are doing now today. Hallelujah. Even greater things shall we do, it says. On one occasion, Jesus was eating with his disciples and, and admonished them to wait into Jerusalem until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he continued to meet and speak with the disciples without being witness, without, about being witnesses, telling people everywhere throughout the world, what is your role today? What are we to do? How does that make you feel? If you were in that congregation back then, he would have been saying, I want you in the upper room. I want you to come. I want you to be there. I want you to witness this event. After Jesus had been encouraging them, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they continued watching and straining to see him. When two angels asked, why are you staring into heaven? Only to let them know that Jesus would someday return from heaven the same way he left. What a hope. What a beautiful picture of what's to come. When the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, about a half a mile away, they all met in the upper room along with Mary, Jesus' mother, Jesus' brothers, and more. Peter reminded them that King David had predicted concerning Judas in the book of Psalms and the need to replace him, and they sought God, and Matthias was chosen. Isn't it just like the Lord to raise up someone else to do the work designed for one to do when they fail? How does that make you feel? Where are you in your picture with God? Is you going to have to raise somebody else up because you haven't done what you were called to do? We must make sure that we're serving God to the fullest extent that he has called us to do. I don't want him to have to pick a replacement job for what I was supposed to do. God is so very amazing. He has our future under control, and we need to seek him to find out what he has in store for us. The world of the apostles was turned upside down in just a short time. As they sought the Lord, he opened the doors for them and blessed their ministries. He hasn't changed. He's still the same today. As we seek the Lord, he'll open the door for what we have and what he has in store for us. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that we get to worship the Lord. We get to know who he is. And uh, he's a powerful God. Praise God. That's what I've got. Pastor, it's all yours. Amen. Father's good.
I just wanted a different point of view on some of this, on the book of Acts, summary of it. And uh, let's seek the old paths. Let's cry out to God and say, God, I want to be, I want to be used by you. I want to follow the pattern. I don't want to deviate from the pattern. There's nothing that I have I can offer except myself. Except my willingness to work for God. When the disciples got straightened out because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you see, saints, you find in the book of Acts that, uh, then we'll get further on in the chapter 1, but you'll find in the book of Acts that the disciples were really useless until after Pentecost. There was once or twice where Jesus anointed them and said, go out and do it. But they, they, but they, they didn't maintain that. They didn't maintain that anointing after they came back. Because you can see, even after the ascension, they was asking, you know, will you, will, re, will you restore the natural kingdom? They still had their sights on overthrowing Rome. They didn't realize what God had called them to. And we're going to get into that, how Jesus opened their understanding. Jesus had to literally open their understanding by a supernatural act for them to comprehend the Scriptures. But after Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's what it is. Amen? And if we don't have it, I'll be honest with you, we're dead. When the Holy Spirit fell in many of our denominational brethren's churches, prior to that, the churches were dead. After the outpouring that we had, in, uh, and I lived in it, in the 60s, and it was a, a move, and what brought it about, really, was, a, uh, was a, a, the hippies, what we called the hippies. They, 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 they got a hold. See, they, they, they got tired of society the way it was. Church wasn't offering them anything. Nothing else was. So what they do? They just signed themselves out of society, went into their communes, went into their places, went into everything else, and the Spirit of God fell on those hippies. The hippie generation brought in the move of the Holy Spirit in the 60s. It wasn't the big churches, it wasn't the big orators, and it wasn't the big speakers. You know, we can run after big speakers and run after the prophetic and all of that. That's not going to bring in the power of God. I've been to conference after conference after conference and heard speakers speak over me, speak over people, the same thing over and over and over again. That's not going to do it. That's not true prophecy. Oh, they got the crowd. But we want, we want is the genuine move of the Holy Spirit. It's a body ministry. It isn't big speakers. It isn't big, big. I mean, oh yeah, God raises up ministers and God uses ministers. But it's a grassroots revival that we want. Revival comes from the pew. It comes from the pew. It comes from you getting a hold of God, rising up and being operated. And of course, now we don't throw away leaders and we don't throw away, I'm not speaking against good anointed leaders and all that. We don't throw them away. Amen? But good, honest 
to be, to be speakers will not bring attention to themselves. That's what I like about Jesus reigns. They don't announce speakers. There's no names. There's no nothing. You just go. And God, and there is order. And there are those that have a rule over you. There are pastors. There are teachers. There are evangelists. It's such a that God has put in the church. But, but we as people in the pulpit are shepherds. We should be very self-effacing. There will be special talents and everything else that people come. But I'm telling you, it's you, the congregation, that's going to evangelize the world. That's getting taught by those that are in leadership. Getting taught by those that are saying, go on out and go do this and, and minister. And we begin to join you and go out with you and minister, minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are, we are one in Christ. Amen. Praise God. So this doesn't mean that we don't need pastors. This doesn't mean that we don't need teachers. Doesn't mean we don't need any of that. But if you'll find out the if you'll find out Paul's teaching, Paul was teaching the Ephesian church, the Philippian church, all these churches. He was preaching and teaching them them to go and do the word. Amen. Praise God. So every one of us has a call. Amen. Now every one of us not may not be preachers and may not be teachers and they don't be pastors. Etc. But we have a ministry. All right. And I often wonder, 3,000, 3,000 was added to the church. Every one of the 3,000 were baptized. Who did the baptizing? Was it the 12 apostles only? Think about it. With that, I'll have you stand. Well, we've had a glorious day today. God's been good to us. God's been wonderful. How many feel refreshed in the spirit? You see, this is what this is what happens when you just get in the spirit. Let the spirit come tired, come weary. Then you get in the spirit, and you're elevated to a place in Christ where it gives you strength, and you go out to fight the battle again. Amen. God is good, isn't He? Amen.